uh, as we get settled in this morning, I would just encourage you to reach over to the person next to you and gently, I must say, uh, give them a pat on the back. All right? Somebody, George, reach up and pat Mike. All right. All right. Everybody get a pat on the back. All right. Um, as I think about it, um, as I prepared for our time together today, um, I thought anyone who willfully and intentionally shows up for church on a Sunday that is called Challenge Sunday uh, deserves an attaboy. But then on the other hand, if when we come together for worship, uh, we are expecting to enter the presence of God, shouldn't every Sunday be a Challenge Sunday? Amen. Today I simply want to tell three stories. When I look around the room, I realize that some of you have heard all three stories before. Some of you have heard them more than once. While some of you may be hearing each or all of the stories for the first time. And I simply want to say, regardless of where you fall on that continuum of familiarity with each of the stories, my prayer is today, in this time we've set aside, that you'll listen with a sincere desire to let God speak to you in a fresh way. Even if the words are familiar, God can still make the message fresh. As the message on your chair indicated today, the spiritual emphasis team has prayed for each person who occupies one of the chairs in this room and prayed that each of us would hear the words that God specifically has for us today. The words that one of you hears and takes to heart may be very different than the person next to you, but I do believe God has a message for each of us here today. The first story is a story about two small copper coins, as we're told in Scripture. And again, some of you are familiar with this story. But as the story goes, and again, let me give a little context first. Uh, When Jesus told this story, he was in the midst of doing some teaching about individuals who talked a lot about their faith, but didn't necessarily walk the talk, all right? They made a show of their faith publicly, but in their hearts, sometimes what they lived was something less than what they would lead others to believe. And so as the story goes... Uh, Jesus was outside the temple, and as people were coming in, they were putting their offering in the offering box. And one widow came, and we're told she was a poor widow. She put in two small copper coins. And when Jesus saw that, he had some words for his disciples. He said in in Mark chapter 12, verse 42, But a poor widow came and put two very small, I mean, as if small isn't enough, he's got to say very small, two very small copper coins worth only a few cents. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, Truly, I tell you, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. The, the image there, I, I love the way it portrays it. 
Uh, obviously, it shows her with a baby in arms and, and two small coins. And, and you look at the, the guy there with a little bit of a smug look on his face, and, and he's putting in multiple coins. But to me, what's more significant is what's in his other hand. It's a bag full of stuff, and he's got a tight grip on it. And Jesus is saying it's not a matter of the amount so much as it is a matter of the heart. So this, this, this poor widow put in two tiny, I mean, for our vernacular, two pennies. Two pennies she put in. Not going to pay much of the electric bill with two pennies. But she put in all she had to live on. And this man gave more, but he gave out of his abundance. And Jesus said, she gave more. Not in dollars, but in the attitude and the expression of her heart. There's another story. Jesus is teaching. Last week we talked about stewardship and Jesus is talking about stewardship in this in Luke chapter 12. And he says these words, From everyone who has been given much, much will be demanded. And from the one who has been entrusted with much, much more will be asked. And friends, as we think about Challenge Sunday, and then I think about the example of this poor widow and her willingness to give sacrificially, her willingness to give from the heart. I would ask each and every one of us to wrestle a little bit with that concept. Wrestle a little bit with regard to how involved is my heart in the decisions that I make with regard to how I manage the resources that God has entrusted to me. Because, friends, as nice as it is to be entrusted with a lot, I find it somewhat challenging to read as Jesus recorded there in Luke chapter 12, that the more God entrusts to my care, the greater the responsibility, the greater the expectation for me to manage that and utilize it in a fashion that brings glory and honor to him. So the first story is the story, very simply, of two small copper coins. Are we often, I grew up hearing it referred to as the widow and the two mites. All right, just a little bit. But yet, she gave out of her poverty, out of her heart. The next story comes from 2 Samuel chapter 24. And in this story, uh, David or King David had disobeyed God. Uh, he had counted his fighting men, which God had instructed him not to count his fighting men. So David did it anyway. And he is in a place of disobedience. And he realizes that he has sinned against God. And God basically comes to him and he says, David, there's a price to be paid. You disobeyed me. And do, have you, any of you ever, when you were disciplining your kids, given them a choice? Have you said, okay, you can be grounded for a month. You can take a whooping right now. Or you can give up your cell phone or whatever. Well, well God, God gave David a choice. And, and he said, you know, here are your three options. And David, I guess, wisely said, you know what, God, I, I'm going to 
I'm going to give myself over to you. You do as you see fit. And so a plague came upon the people. And thousands of people were dying because of David's disobedience. And finally David said, God, I'm the one who messed up. What do we have to do to make this right? And he was instructed to go to a specific man's property and make an offering or a sacrifice at this man's threshing floor. All right? So that's where we pick up the story. David went, and actually, let me, let me back up. The picture there is, is obviously King David with the throne, and this man's name is Aruna. And, and David has come to him. Now the king comes to him, and he says, I've been instructed by God to make an offering here on your threshing floor. And David says to him, I would like to buy it so that I can obey God and make things right. Seems reasonable to him. And what we have here is, is Aruna is down on his knees, and obviously the king has come to him and said, I want to buy your property. And, and Aruna wisely says, you know what? You can have it. You know, you're the king. I would consider it a privilege to let you have my oxen. I would consider it a privilege to give you my threshing floor and, and let you do what you need to do. Sounds like a reasonable thing. Aruna's blessed. David meets his responsibility. But, but what David does is kind of interesting. It says, but the king replied to Aruna, no, I insist on paying you for it. I will not sacrifice to the Lord my God burnt offerings that cost me nothing. So David bought the threshing floor and the oxen and paid 50 shekels of silver for them. To me, David is saying, I don't want to give an offering that doesn't cost me something. There needs to be an element uh, it continues there, obviously. But David built an altar to the Lord, and there sacrificed burnt offerings and fellowship offerings. Then the Lord answered his prayer on, in, beh- in behalf of the land, and the plague on Israel was stopped. There's supposed to be another slide there. Sorry about that. As I think about that whole situation, David said, I'm not going to give an offering that doesn't cost me something. I've told you repeatedly throughout the caring for the generations that there comes a time when we are going to challenge you to consider giving sacrificially. And, and I don't say that lightly. Um, I know that many of you make a very willful, conscious decision, thoughtful in terms of how you choose to respond to God's teachings on tithing and on stewardship. We have been through some some interesting teaching in this past year uh, with regard to the blessed life. I told you when I started teaching on the blessed life that the first thing God did when I was exposed to this teaching was let me feel a little bit of conviction. And Diane and I have responded to that. And, And this is not to elevate us, but we made a significant change in terms of our regular tithes and offerings. So when I say that as part of caring for the generations, that I'm looking at a sacrificial gift above and beyond what we've already been doing, I take that very seriously. 
And I, and I will tell you, I'm not going to tell you the amount because it's not about us and it's not about the amount. But what Diana and I did is we, we looked at what we were currently giving and we said, okay, for us to increase by X amount of dollars would be a stretch for us. So we said that's what we'll commit to on a weekly basis. Then we felt God would have us do more above that. So on our pledge card, it says how much we're going to increase per week for the next three years. And then there's another line where it says there's another amount that we're going to give that we're not sure where it's going to come from yet. But we're committed to giving that as well. So in us, to me, for us personally, it was kind of like turning up the heat a little bit and then saying, okay, now let's make it the sacrificial part. Let's pay for the oxen and the threshing floor. Now, as I've said repeatedly, my only prayer throughout all of this is for each and every one of us to go before God and say, how would you have me respond to this opportunity that's before our congregation? So the first story is two small copper coins. The second story is an insistence by a leader that he will not give an offering that doesn't cost him something. Making a change in order to respond to the opportunities that God presents. Then there's this story. Most of you know that for the past nearly 20 years, Vacation Bible School has been a big deal around here. We work really hard. We sacrifice. We invest a significant amount of money in order to provide that opportunity. And each year there's usually something that stands out from Vacation Bible School. And each year, and and I know some of you end up being the ones who have the privilege of relating to these young people. Each year, there are some young people that stand out. Some of them stand out because they encourage or solicit or require a little bit more attention uh, than other kids, if you understand what I'm referring to. This year, there was one young boy... I'm going to guess 10, 11, 12, somewhere in that range. And from the very first day, it was clear that he would like more attention than some of the other kids were getting. Or excuse me, he deserved more attention than some of the others were getting. But he was glad to be here. He just needed to help, help to stay focused. Well, he had some behavior issues here, but he also had some behavior issues at home. And so that actually kept him from coming on on more than one occasion. But he was here for the last day, um, seemed to have a great time, made the most of his experience. And to me, that was the end of the story. But then a few days later, we did July 3rd. And, And he showed up July 3rd for the fireworks. And while we were there, he came up to Diana. And he said, do you remember me? And... I suspect her thought was, how could I forget you? Um, But he said, 
He said, do you remember me? And, he, and she said, of course I do. And uh, he said, you know, Vacation Bible School was just so much fun. I'm so glad that you guys did that for me. I mean, for me. Yeah, yeah we did all that for you. <laughs> we did. And he reached into his pocket, and he pulled out 16 cents. This 16 cents. Right here. Two nickels, six pennies. And he said, I want your church to have this because they made VBS possible. So since July 3rd, or probably July 4th, this 16 cents has been taped to the light switch in my office because I thought this little boy has no understanding of church budgets. He has no understanding of this principle of stewardship or God's call to tithe. But he had a sense that he could do something to make a difference. So he emptied his pocket and he gave 16 cents. Some of you have seen my office, and you may think I taped it to the light switch so that I wouldn't lose it. All right? (laughs) And you're partly right. (laughs) But others of you know that I'm a creature of habit. All right? I'm right-handed. So what happens any day that I go into my office, I have my keys in my right hand, I unlock the door, I open the door, I reach right here to my left, and I turn on the light. Every day, I touch that baggie full of coins. And I'm reminded why I do what I do. I'm reminded of why we do what we do. I gave you 16 cents. Excuse me, the church gave you. No, I gave you 16 cents. <laughs> All right. I don't care what you do with the 16 cents. You can combine them with everybody else who came to church with you and buy a small fry at McDonald's. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but for me, I'm going to go back into my office and I'm going to tape the 16 cents back to my light switch. And it will remain there until we tear the walls down, hopefully in a few months. (laughs) But then I'll find another place for it, and it will be there throughout the remainder of caring for the generations for the next three years, reminding me of why we do what we do, why I have the audacity to stand in front of you and say, let's give sacrificially in order to expand our opportunity to touch more little guys like that little guy. My hope is that it will serve as a reminder, but I have another motivation, all right? Your children down the hall should also be getting a baggie. And it is my heart's desire that you'll have a conversation about what these 16 cents means. 
in Deuteronomy chapter 6 when it talks about training up our children. It talks about, about tying reminders to your wrists and, and putting reminders over your door frame so that when your children ask, what's the deal with that? You have a ready-made opportunity to explain to them spiritual principles. My desire is that when your kids say, why in the world did we get 16 cents? Why did you get 16 cents? What can we spend our 16 cents on? I can buy this with it. You know what? Spend it. I'm not worried about what you do with it, if you spend it or not, or if you lose it or anything, but I am very concerned or motivated by the opportunity that it represents for you to have a serious reminder and a serious discussion about what it means to give sacrificially what it means to invest heavily in the kingdom of God for the advancement of his purpose. Obviously, each of these three stories really talked about the same thing. It's a matter of the heart. It's a matter of saying, God, I believe in what you're doing to the point that I will give sacrificially to partner with you in seeing your work accomplished. So I'm hopeful that some of you will utilize this as a regular reminder that you'll ask yourself the question, what's my 16 cents? What's my 16 cents? What am I willing to set aside for God as a way of saying, Lord, I don't understand all that you're up to, but I want to do my part. I want to partner with you in seeing lives changed in the days, weeks, months, and years to come. Would you pray with me? Father, I I thank you for the privilege that I have of having a face to go with those two nickels and six pennies. To see the look in his eyes when he came and was excited to be here. To see the look in his eyes when he clearly was acting in a fashion that he was wanting to get my attention. But, Father, it goes way beyond one boy in vacation Bible school. Fathers, I think about those 16 cents. I think back across 33 years of ministry and the countless lives that have seen the entire trajectory of their earthly life and their eternity changed in a positive way because of the influence of this ministry. And, Father, when I realized that there is such incredible potential still ahead of us. I do ask you, Father, show me what my 16 cents is. Show me how and where and when I can give sacrificially. Help me be willing to give sacrificially, to move beyond my comfort and my convenience, to say, Lord, I'm going to make a difference and I'm going to change so that I can partner with you. Father, regardless of how much we put in, 
as I think about the image of the, of the widow putting her two small copper coins in. Regardless of how many coins I put in, regardless of what percentage I give, Father, I pray for the, the other hand, the left hand in that picture. Help me to not hold on to the remainder with such a tight grip. But help me be willing to be generous in a fashion that honors you and advances your kingdom. Thank you, Father. Amen. We're going to close with a song, I Will Follow. Um, But uh, before we do that, I've asked Ruben and Dan to come up and share with you for just a minute. And I want to make something clear. Maybe they were going to touch on this, so I may have just taken it away from them, but they'll figure it out. Um, What we're asking is by now all of you should have a pledge card in your hand uh, or at home or whatever. If you don't, uh, we'll make sure that you get one, our pledge sheet. Um, What I'm asking you to do is to pray. For the next two weeks, I want you to pray. I want you to seek diligently to hear from God how he would have you respond. And then I want you to fill out the pledge. Uh, We're going to receive those Sunday morning, uh, December 7th, uh, on the same day that we do the the, uh, uh, Christmas musical. Uh, If you're not here that date, you can give it to Reuben, you can give it to Dan, you can give it to Amy, you can mail it in. Um, But we will also be receiving pledges on the 14th. Then on December 21st, we will announce the total pledge uh, in a uh, celebration service uh, that's fitting for the holiday season. So, uh, Reuben and Dan, if you want to come up, that'd be awesome.